Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Life Runners podcast. A couple things we're going to be talking about today. Um, this week has been you know, not slow, but there hasn't been a ton that's happened. There have been a couple cool things, so I'm going to talk about those. I'm also going to go over four watches that we recently got in um, that I'm obviously going to be making videos about, which I'm very excited to do. Um, so we'll go over each of those pieces as well. So one piece of news and then four, uh, four vintage watches that I want to discuss briefly uh, as we sort of kick off this round of uh, videos that we're going to be doing. If you don't know, um, on our website, we obviously blog about um, some of the watches that we get in, um, their histories, the histories of the, the references, the histories of the movements, and perhaps provenance if there's anything attached to them. Um, and then we create a YouTube video to sort of sort of show you the watch there. So um, that's kind of the staple of life on the wrist, and so you can expect more of that if you're if you're new to life on the wrist. So go to lifeonthewrist.com. You can see some of the pieces that we've recently gone over. Um, we went over a really cool chronograph from Omega that was produced in 19, the 1950s. Um, we we covered a really exquisite um, condition. Uh, you can look cool to in stainless steel from the from around that same time period, um, or sorry, from 1960, um, that was gifted um, for, for so, uh, I think, something like 40 years of service to a company. So they really range, um, but uh, I encourage you to go to Life Nurse if you want to check those out. So one bit of news I wanted to cover was a big announcement from Sotheby's, who have announced that Jeff Hess is going to be their uh, new head of watches for Sotheby's America. If you don't know who Jeff Hess is, um, he's got a ton of experience in the watch watch industry, um, and uh, it, I think is going to be a nice sort of steering, a nice person to be leading this uh, Sotheby's as they've kind of come into their own in the auction world. Um, if you didn't know, last year's um, watch sales to- totaled for Sotheby's forty eight point five million, which was up from forty one point three million in twenty twenty one. Um, which was just behind Philips, who were at 51.5. So tons of growth for Sotheby's, and I think Jeff Hess is a great person to kind of take over the reins and, and be put in place to, for Sotheby's, who are, I think, um, doing great things in the watch auction world. Prior to Sotheby's, he was working at Philips um, in New York, and then prior to that, he was uh, the CEO of Analog Shift, which was a vintage and pre-owned uh, seller that was acquired by Watches of Switzerland in 2020. Before Analog Shift, he was actually a practicing attorney. Um, Jeff had some really cool things to say. It was, it was nice to um, to see that he's excited to, to sort of dive into it. It also was cool that he, I'll kind of quote this Hodinkee article that I'll put, leave in the show notes, but he said, auction houses love to compare total sales against each other, but collectors care much more about how they are treated. This is relevant now more than ever. The hobby is permeated with concepts of access and gaining allocations and to see the degree it can feel like the, f- the favor is not is being done to the customers that ultimately can become very tiring and disheartening what clients really want is to feel cared for so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting to see where, where all this happens this goes um with uh with Sotheby's um I think this year has been pretty strong for them they've had some really nice pieces that I've had the opportunity to see in person so um congrats Jeff Hess uh congrats Sotheby's exciting news exciting shakeup of some of the names in the watch industry and um we'll have to see how this all shakes out as I said I'll leave a link in the show notes shout out to Tony Trana uh shout out significant watches podcast and obviously Tony's work at over at Hodinkee all right, on to the, the watches that I wanted to talk about, which is really the, the main focus of today. 
Um, so four new watches, very excited. They're, <laughs> when it comes to variety, if you thought the last four were, had some variety, there's definitely a ton of variety um, in the, these next four. Obviously, we'll be shooting a video <clears throat> where we just give a brief overview of each of these watches. So stay tuned for that. Um, and then we'll go in, in depth with each of them. The first one that I'm wearing is actually the watch that's on my wrist right now. It's a, it's a Longines from 1954. The reference is 727S72440. Interesting reference number, but basically, this is a really beautiful 34mm um, um, Longines that was produced for the US market. Um, it's 34mm. What's really unique about this is Longines is typically known for creating gold-plated cases for the US market, but they actually did create a um a solid yellow gold a 14 karat yellow gold case for this watch the case was actually manufactured by um di vincenzo and arienti which was a brooklyn-based case maker who manufactured cases for longines omega and hamilton to name a couple of names so the case was manufactured in the u.s specifically in brooklyn um, but the movement was produced in Switzerland. Uh, it's a caliber 23ZS manual wind movement, which um, is a really finely created, highly respected, supremely finished movement that's really, really beautiful. Um, what's really unique about this watch is actually the dial. So you have this sort of two-tone two dial, not two-tone, but sort of um, two layers to the watch. You have this inner circle, and then you have this outer ring the outer ring has a really beautiful um, Kiyoshi finish to some of the locations of the hour markers. And what's really unique about some of the other, uh, other hour markers is there's four diamond hour markers um, at 12, 3, 6, and 9. Um, so it's a really beautiful, um, beautiful uh, example of this reference. What's really nice and kind of why I decided to source this was I think diamonds have become a little bit more... Um, if you want to say it, they're kind of in right now. I think watch collectors are kind of being more open to, to that sort of design on a watch. And so I thought this was a relevant example for the time, but still holds true to a lot of the vintage sentiment um, of, of, of life on the wrist. It appears that the dial might have been polished. Um, if you look at the G on Longines, it's missing some of the features that you typically see. Um, Specifically, when you when you draw a capital G, you kind of create your half circle. You go up to the middle, and then you have a line that kind of goes on top of the the um, the the line that you create, and that's missing. So it's likely that that was um, either polished and that's been removed, or possibly refinished there. Um, nevertheless, a really beautiful example with some I mean really high quality finishing when it comes to the Kiyoshi finish and the dial, the diamond. Um, indices and then obviously the movement is, is absolutely phenomenal this watch um, it's been kind of my summer watch interestingly I've been wearing it a ton because the condition of the case is just absolutely exceptional I love the diamonds it's something different um, and a beautiful part of Longines' history the next watch I want to talk about is in my opinion um, one of the coolest pieces I've, I've had the opportunity to handle so the watch that I'm talking about is a Universal Genève reference 166110-03, nicknamed Golden Shadow Automatic. So the Golden Shadows um, was were part of the competition to create the thinnest automatic movement 
um, during the 1960s. And this watch dates to 1965. Um, what you have here is a 18 karat solid yellow gold case. It's probably lightly been polished. You can still see the hallmarks and serials that are pretty strong, um, but you know, not as not as sharp as as perhaps something that's been on, not not polished at all. Um, the dial is a fairly simple um, sort of silver dial with Roman numerals. You got the hours and minutes on the on the dial. What's really unique about this is the movement. The movement that is used in this is the caliber 66 movement, which at the time was the thinnest automatic movement ever produced by any watch company. Um, and what's even cooler is it's got a micro rotor. So I absolutely love micro rotors. I've spoken about them at length and how micro rotors are really something that you see in very, very high end pieces. And um, Universal Geneva was competing, you know, obviously at, at the level where they, where they were producing incredibly finished movements, incredibly high, comp high complications. It's a brand that I absolutely love from a vintage perspective, and, and I absolutely love this piece. So excited to get into it. I'm going to be posting some pictures of the movement on Instagram, um, which I'm extremely excited about because, um, for me, micro, micro rotors are just some, one of the coolest things ever. I'll obviously be using a loop, a loop system loop. Um, so big shout out to MBNF and the loop system uh, rocket ship that they, that they produce. But anyway, a very cool piece. Um, I really like it because... Obviously, the micro rotor. It's obviously um, Universal Geneva is known for their micro rotors, especially in their pole routers. But I also think it's incredible to think this brand was pr produced the thinnest automatic movement um, uh, during this time period. It wasn't a brand like Automat PDA or or Vachon Constant Tech Fleet. It was Universal Geneva who, who kind of took the took the prize for that. So. Um, nice to think about a brand like this um, competing with um, brands that we respect so well. And I think it shows that Universal Genetics deserves the you know similar sentiment. So, beautiful piece, 34 millimeters, solid 18 karat gold um, from 1965. It, it, hard to get any better. Um, the next piece I wanted to chat through we've got here is another complication that I hold in very high regard, which is the alarm complication. So many brands produced alarm complication watches. You can think of the Membovox from Yekelo Culture, the Cricket from, from Vulcane. But something that one should also consider is this reference 7742 uh, alarm from Gerard Perregaux. So they produced watches that had alarm complications as well. We've had an alarm complication watch from Gerard Perregaux before, but this one I think is so, so unique. So it's from the 1960s. It's a 34 millimeter stainless steel cased watch that has obviously hours, minutes, center seconds, um, applied um, hour markers, uh, printed Gerard Perigo name, and then you've got this window towards the, kind of, that kind of spans between um, the five and the seven o'clock hour marker. That is where you can set the alarm complication. Um, what's even cooler about this piece is stainless steel case. When you look at the dial, it's got this incredibly aged dial that has this golden brown tone to it um, that is so attractive especially with the with the strap that we put on it um, it's so so attractive it's got this golden like golden copper tone that um, if you like patina this is exactly what this is a watch that you're, you're definitely going to enjoy looking at I think alarm complications are some of the coolest ever um, I'll always say that and I think when, when you think about what the alarm complication is it's essentially a hammer that hits on the side of the case if you think about other other complications that use something similar to that 
you think of minute repeaters or quarter repeaters and that's why i think these uh, alarm complicated piece alarm complication watches they're, they're underappreciated because um because when you when you think about the way that they're manufactured or how they're put together they're using hammers that are also used in complications uh, like minute repeaters that are so well respected and so interesting so caliber 1109 manual wind movement it's 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 definitely one of a kind i don't think you're going to see a dial like this um, in any other pieces that you maybe come across all right, um, the last piece that we're going to be um, covering is from Longines. Longines is obviously a brand that I have spoken about highly. Um, I've spoken about them a lot because I do hold them in high regard. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's another Longines, um, reference 1116. Um, it's a time-only piece. You've got an hours and minutes complication, or hours and minutes hand in the center with a sub-second style, I guess sub-seconds cross hash at 6 o'clock. Um, applied hour markers, applied Longines logo, print Longines printed name, watch dates to 1962. But um, what's really cool about um, this is it's a 10 karat gold fill case from Schwab and Vuspot Case Company. Um, Cases in really good condition, thin lugs, um, fairly fairly thin watch, signed crown. You know everything is sort of. Um, sort of all there but what's really unique about this is it has an incredibly beautiful linen dial linen dials are something that allow collectors to sort of enjoy vintage watches in different ways um, you know most dials sometimes can feel a little bit monotonous because they look the same I think that's why collectors are so attracted to things like the Tenon dials or dials with um, diamond hour markers but something like this where you have an, a completely linen dial um, it's, it definitely captures uh, one's attention when, when you have the opportunity to look at it. The linen dials are in, in fairly good condition. If you look towards the 3 o'clock, I think there might be some patina to it where the dial isn't as pristine as maybe other areas. Um, but it's still in very, very, very good condition. I encourage you to check the show notes so you can see pictures of it. But you'll see it's a little bit darker towards the kind of between 2 and 4 o'clock on the dial. Um, there are some some scratches on the on the case uh, towards the where the where the dial is, but still the watch is in really great condition. Another piece that I, excites me obviously is um, the fact that um, it has an inscription on the case back, so you've got a really cool bit of um, bit of history that's attached to this watch. The wa- the the uh, engraving says J A Zonlick from your Stanley Associates, 628-63. So obviously this inscription sort of likely points to the sale and gifting of this watch in 1963, which was one year after this watch was manufactured. I should say the movement was manufactured. And it was gifted to J.A. Zonlick from Stanley Associates, who I've done a little bit of research on. There are so many Stanley Associates. But I think it could be that this uh, company was based in Massachusetts, USA. So... Um, just a little bit of provenance that, that I can do a little bit of research on to tell the story of this watch even more and, and hopefully have you enjoy the piece um, in a greater way based on, you know, the research that I do and what you can kind of, um, what you can kind of learn about the, the piece as we go here. Um, so yeah, those are the four pieces. I'll leave links in the show notes so you can check them out because 
they really are beautiful um beautiful pieces i'm excited to jump into the videos for them because it's always nice when you get new things in and you can kind of share the stories with them it's also kind of why um why i love vintage watches is to do the research on all these things and see references that i've never seen so the 7742 from shadow Perga i've seen before i've never seen golden shadow before i've never seen a 1116 from longines before i've never seen this 7, 727s um reference with the gold and diamond hour markers before so exciting to jump into each of those pieces um with you all if you are new to the life on this podcast be sure to follow us and if you wouldn't mind sharing this podcast with a friend who might be interested in watches would love for them to you know listen to these podcasts and hopefully get some enjoyment from them um let me know what you think about each of these pieces you can hit us up on our instagram would love to chat there but you can obviously email us live from the rest at gmail.com or you can also you know hit us up on any of our social medias we'll be available there for you um if you want to chat through anything related to watches if i can help in any way with uh, research or anything like that so i'm more than happy to to help out with that said, guys, thank you so much for this podcast, and I hope you have a great week, and um, I will catch you in the next one.